That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he felt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I am Brendan Mortensen, joined by Matt Bonaparte. We are once again not on the couches. It is just the two of us here in studio talking about some Orioles baseball. A lot of good Orioles baseball as of late. Fantastic series against the Athletics. Orioles looking to bounce back after a game one loss to the Blue Jays. Bones, of course, we have to start with a softball update. The first softball update that I think we have had in months because they didn't, cancel they didn't cancel this time, which is kind of miraculous. As we mentioned on last week's show, if you tuned in, Vola will cancel if there is, I mean, just an ounce of rain the day before. Sorry to sorry to out you there, Volo, but... Hey, they're trying to look out for our safety. Ounce of rain the day before, and, and there is no softball game. We did have a doubleheader on Monday, and, and we lost both games. Yeah, we did. We did. Indeed, we did. We did. Uh, there was... So what made me think of our, our intro for the show here was that during our first game, somebody on a uh, friend of the show, Eric Arditi's team, had hit a home run in his first at-bat. And then in his second at-bat, again, this is during rec softball on a Monday night. This is pitiful. Stops at third because he wants to go for the cycle, to which everyone responded, Gunnar Henderson would never. He wouldn't. He wouldn't, as Gunnar Henderson demonstrated against the athletics, could have had the cycle. In fact, he didn't. He didn't. Gunnar Henderson could have had a cycle against the athletics. He gets the hard part out of the way. Hits a homer, a triple, a double. Just needs a single. He confirmed after the game in his post-game interview with Melanie Newman, that he knew he just needed the single for the cycle, rips one down the right field line. The Orioles are up like 17 runs at this point. He doesn't need a double. It's not like turning a single into a double is going to turn the game. Gunnar Henderson still hits the double, does not go for the cycle, still winds up on second base, which begs the question, Bones... If you, if you put yourself in Gunnar Henderson's shoes, all right. of a sudden you are a superstar, young rookie of the year candidate. Been there, yeah. Almost about to hit for the cycle. Do yeah. you stop it first? Of course not. I mean, he's playing the game the right way. I respect that out of Gunnar. I would have done the exact same thing. Hustle it out. See if you can stretch it to a triple, all right? Gunnar did it the right way, uh, and I wouldn't have done it any different. Would you? You say that now, but then, like, would you really? Yes, of course. Would you really? A cycle is But you even can that go cool. for the cycle. Cycle's not even that cool. Cycle's not even that cool? I'd rather have That's the take you're rolling with? Yes, that is the take I'm rolling with. Wow. Cycle's not even that cool. I think four extra base hits I would and 11 have... total bases is also very cool. Yeah. But I don't think I've heard a take of the cycle is not that cool. People try to debate what's more, you know, what's cooler. Would you rather have a cycle or a no-hitter? Cycles happen, like, all the time. They happen, like, multiple times per month. Probably not true, uh, but they happen a lot more frequently than a no hitter does. So I'll take a cycle or out the you know I'll take a no hitter over a cycle every single day. But even now, I feel like no hitters have been uh, not that no hitters aren't cool, but I think there is less hype around no hitters than there used to be. At least that's kind of what it feels like. Maybe so. Maybe. Um, 
But I feel like that's the last couple of seasons with the whole you yeah. know, sticky stuff and whatever and whatever you want to call it. Uh, I would I would like to think that if I were about to hit for the cycle and ripped a double, that I would go to second. But I don't know. Maybe I, I would stop take. at first for the cycle. I have another hot take. This one pertaining to no. Wow, hitters. we've got an, we've got another hot take from Matt Bonaparte. Let's <laughs> I would rather throw like twelve Ks, two hits, no walks, no earned than a no hitter. What? Absolutely. Wouldn't 100%. those result in like the same thing? No. No hitter, you might have like eight walks or something. Who cares? I'd what if it's have, a no a no hitter with like two runners. walks? No, so I you would, would rather, rather have twelve Ks. You'd rather have oh, what if it's a no hitter with ten Ks? All right, well that's not the situation now, is it? Well, you're assuming the no hitter has eight walks and five no, strikeouts. No, I'm saying I would rather have I would rather pitch a game in which I win a complete game shutout, two hits, twelve to fifteen strikeouts over a no hitter. That's like three walks. That's but how many strikeouts in that I don't scenario? Know, like six. I feel like you're making up a a scenario where a no hitter is just terrible. Well, and no I don't hitters think aren't that's always great. Much. That's my point. They're not always great. They usually people, are. They're usually pretty good. You're 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 glossing over the fact that they're not always great. I think a lot of times I mean, they can be great. You want one, but I would rather just shut down another team other than two guys getting a single or something. Sure. Well, you know what has been great, Bones, even if you don't think that no hitters are all that great. And that's Cedric Mullins and Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah, they've been Coming back to the Orioles lineup, and that was not a smooth transition by me, but we're going to roll with it anyway. (laughs) Cedric Mullins and Ryan Mountcastle are back. And that is huge for an Orioles team that probably didn't need a boost like this. They were already great. But you now add Ryan Mountcastle and Cedric Mullins into a lineup that was already really deep, already really successful. Cedric Mullins is probably one of your best clubhouse presences. I don't think that can be understated a ton along with his field play on the field. I mean, we saw how much he impacted the series in Seattle. Had one of just, I I don't want to say the best games I've ever seen because the game as a whole wasn't amazing from Cedric Mullins, but makes one of the best catches I think I've ever seen in that kind of situation and then comes back in the 10th inning and wins the game for the Orioles. I'll start with Cedric Mullins because this is the first one that I've been talking about here. Cedric Mullins being back makes this lineup so much better. For a while, you've had Adley Rutschman leading off, which you know we can talk about later when we construct our Orioles lineup here as to whether or not you want to continue to hit Adley Rutschman as your leadoff guy. But Cedric Mullins being back gives you another option as your leadoff hitter. He was hitless in his first two games back, but has been solid since hitting over 280 in the eight games since his return. Of course, we know about the elite center field defense. Having another option at leadoff, somebody who is more of a traditional leadoff hitter, gives you some more... Of, of danger on the base paths, it's huge for this Orioles team at this point. Yeah, also I think he brings leadership capabilities uh, and a presence in the dugout and in the clubhouse that is missed if he isn't there. Um, you mentioned that great game he had in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, he put the team on his back. He was absolutely fantastic. He made two great catches that series. The first one kind of goes by the wayside after the second one because it was so clutch in the moment, and also he took the ball 
away from the stands and right back into the ballpark. Um, but he is obviously a fantastic player and one the Orioles absolutely need. Uh, so having him back in the lineup is is crucial for this team. And like you said, another option that could potentially hit at a leadoff spot. And it's another lefty because other than him and Adam Frazier, Santander is a switch hitter, but there aren't and Ryan O'Hearn. There aren't a ton of guys batting from the left side. Yeah, so not a lot of Gunner true, Henderson, of course, as well. Yeah, not a lot of true left-handed hitters yeah. in this lineup. You do have a good bit. Switch hitters, Adley sure. Rutschman, Anthony Santander, but, you know, Ryan O'Hearn, kind of a platoon bat at this point. So getting two kind of everyday left-handed hitters in the lineup, I think is big for Brandon Hyde with Cedric Mullins and Gunnar Henderson. And you mentioned the leadoff capabilities. If Cedric Mullins keeps hitting in the order where Brandon Hyde has had him with Adley Rutschman at leadoff, Cedric Mullins is a truly elite, like, five through seven hitter. Because at this point, if he's not leading off, you have Gunnar Henderson, Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle, Ryan O'Hearn. Some combination of those guys is usually taking up spots two through four or five. So if Cedric Mullins is, like, your six hitter, you could potentially have Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes at, like, your six and seven two guys that have both made all-star teams within the last three years, that's an incredibly deep lineup to have that kind of depth towards the bottom of the order. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And I think depth for a team like this is incredibly crucial and something we've seen all year uh, been incredibly crucial for them. Adding Aaron Hicks halfway through the year, having the ability to look at Ryan O'Hearn has been so incredible as well. So having depth for this team has definitely given them a leg up on the competition and I think is a huge reason while they're sitting here today, one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah, and of course, Cedric Mullins providing the elite center field defense as well. Let's talk about Ryan Mountcastle. Since he has come back, from you know the, the bout with Vertigo in AAA Norfolk, he has been on another level. Yeah. Ryan Mountcastle, over his last 25 games, hitting right around 400 with an OPS over 1,100. Six homers, couple of doubles. He's also not striking out as much as Ryan Mountcastle has in the past. He's walking way more than Ryan Mountcastle has in the past. We're used to Ryan Mountcastle having a solid OPS, but that OPS kind of having a bit of a ceiling because he is a very free swinger. And not that you would ever want to take the aggressiveness away from Mountcastle, but to see him get the walk numbers up is really, really encouraging. We knew that Ryan Mountcastle coming back would be important for this Orioles lineup, even when the OPS for Mountcastle towards the beginning of the season was hovering kind of in the low 700s. But now the OPS is right around 800. And as I mentioned, over the last 25 games, it's over 1,100. So not only are you getting back somebody who is a solid defensive first baseman, is a good right-handed platoon option with Ryan O'Hearn if you want to get O'Hearn in against right-handed pitching, Mountcastle has turned into somebody that has to be pretty consistently hit in the two, three, or four spots. When I think earlier on this season, you were maybe looking at Mountie saying, okay, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be your two, three, four hitter. Maybe you hit him five, six. But right now, he is playing the best baseball of his career. Yes. Uh, And coming back from something like Vertigo, I didn't really know how he was going to fare. I mean, that's something 
uh, that isn't a very traditional injury, not something a lot of guys deal with, at least publicly. Uh, so I didn't know what we should expect from Ryan Mountcastle when he made his return, but the play he's putting in right now is about as good as he can possibly play. I mean, it, since coming back from that injury, like you said, he's been absolutely elite OPS through the roof, average up near 400. The guy has been a menace at the plate. And like you said as well, you could put him anywhere. Two, three, four, doesn't matter. But he is a staple of the heart of the order because he's hitting so darn well. And he's so incredibly important because the Orioles play their game by getting guys on on base. They don't hit the ball out of the ballpark as much as some teams do in the league that are this, this successful. When guys are on, you got to hit them in. And that's exactly what Ryan Mountcastle does. Yeah, and I think... Different from Cedric Mullins, you could probably make the case with Ryan Mountcastle that his return, while it was important for the Orioles, it was obviously beneficial given the play that we have seen out of Mountcastle lately. It didn't feel like it was, I don't want to say necessary, that doesn't feel like the right word, but you had Ryan O'Hearn playing first base, playing a very good first base. I mean, O'Hearn on the season has an OPS of 840. So it's not like you were really hurting for a first baseman. You were totally fine putting Ryan O'Hearn in the lineup card every day because he's been hitting unbelievably well this season. Batting average close to 300. As I mentioned, OPS at 840. So you didn't really need a first baseman, but now it gives you the flexibility to put Ryan Mountcastle at first base, DH Ryan O'Hearn, who has been struggling a little bit more over the last month or so. I say a little bit more in probably heavy quotations there because it's just relative to how hot he was at the beginning of the season. You don't have to worry about putting Anthony Santander at a position where he's not all that comfortable at first base. So the Ryan Mountcastle addition here just kind of feels like more of a luxury than it was a need for the Orioles. And I think with Mullins, you could probably argue that it was a little bit more of a necessity because Colton Kowser, we know the potential there, but he wasn't playing up to that potential for his first few weeks in the major leagues, understandably so. Again, not very worried about Colton Kowser, but with Kowser not playing all that well, Aaron Hicks dealing with some injuries, and Ryan McKenna bouncing back and forth between the majors and AAA Norfolk, the Cedric Mullins return did feel pretty necessary. Yeah, absolutely, because his glove is so invaluable and it's irreplaceable. Uh, like you said, Colton Kowser came up, struggled at the plate, and he played, we know he can play center field, but he didn't play it like Cedric Mullins can, and that's why uh, he it was so important that Mullins did come back and that he's ready for the playoffs and he's right come fall ball. Uh, so, of course, both those guys, you're happy they're back, but they're both, one a bat, one mainly a glove and a bat, uh, are so incredibly important to this team's playoff run and its longevity throughout this season. And getting two hitters back in the lineup, like Cedric Mullins and like Ryan Mountcastle, just further goes to show, it goes to show you what kind of depth this team has in general. Because you can go up and down the Orioles stats right now and you find seven, eight hitters who are pretty well above league average. Adley Rutschman with a 123 OPS plus this year. Ryan Mountcastle at 119. Hayes at 114. Mullins 113. Santander 115. O'Hearn 131. Henderson 123. And even Aaron Hicks at this point, just with the Orioles, an OPS plus of 121. 
That is unbelievable depth. And when we talk about the reasons that the Orioles have been successful this season, I think the return of Mullins and Mountcastle just further demonstrates the point that this team is really, really good right now, not because they have superstars offensively. They do have stars with Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, chief among them. Those guys are stars in this league. We know that they have such a bright future. But Adley Rutschman has an OPS of 799. Gunnar Henderson's at 810. Those are very good numbers for an OPS, but those aren't, you know, elite MVP type of numbers. It's not like the Orioles are being carried by one individual guy offensively. The reason that they have been so good just overall at the plate this year is because of the depth that they have. Because you go up and down the lineup card and you see a lot of OPS numbers, at least starting with a seven. You got a few with an eight. That's just really good depth. And now you bring back two hitters, one of them a former all-star in Cedric Mullins, and then Ryan Mountcastle, who has been on a tear. This is just continuing their prowess in that area. Yeah, and also shows their ability to get stuff out of guys that other teams weren't capable of. I mean, Ryan O'Hearn being let go from the Royals, I mean, he was given up on by Kansas City. And the yeah. Orioles said, we know we can do something with that bat. And they brought him in and did exactly that. Same story with Aaron Hicks. The Yankees gave up on him, and the Orioles knew they could still uh, get something out of his bat, and they did just the same. So uh, it, it also highlights their ability uh, within their depth to get guys who a lot of teams in the league probably think are done and turn them into guys with, like you said, above average OPS pluses, which in this league is not, you know, given. So uh, they're able to get stuff out of guys that other teams aren't, and that's why you become a playoff caliber team. Right, and it, and it presents a really good problem to have if you're Brandon Hyde, which is you have a lot of great talent on this team right now. Where is everybody going to go in a lineup? So Matt thought today we would go through a little exercise here of trying to construct our Orioles lineup. This isn't going to be a righties-lefties split. We can talk about what substitutions may be made there if you're facing a righty or facing a lefty. This is just who we think if the playoffs started right now and you were facing an ambidextrous pitcher, who would be your best nine guys that you would put in a lineup? Matt, Venditti. we'll start with you. Pat Venditti is on the mound. Pat Venditti is on the round. On the mound, has turned himself into an ace. Okay. Uh, I'm leading off with Adley Rutschman. Uh, the guy, in my opinion, is invaluable at the top of the order just because, one, he's a switch hitter, so it doesn't matter if Pat Venditti pick, pitches from the left or the right side, he's going to be... Pat Venditti pitch. getting a lot of run here on this show. <laughs> but also, out of the leadoff spot, his OPS is above 800 this season, with an average just under 300. He has been so good out of the leadoff spot for Baltimore. But the other story there is that he's one of the guys on this team whose OP or who's on base percentage is incredibly high because he has an incredible eye in the batter's box. And that's yep. incredibly important 
for the rest of the lineup. Because even if he strikes out and goes back to the dugout, he can say, look for this, look for that. He's not going to throw you this, he'll throw you that. And that is what will help the rest of the lineup. I put Ryan Mountcastle right behind him because we talked about how much he is hitting for average and for power right now. He has been so invaluable at the plate. Behind him, I've got Gunnar Henderson, a guy maybe a little bit lower batting average, but the power is there, and that's exactly what you need out of a three-hitter, especially one that's hitting after two guys who are likely going to be on base. Santander behind him, a little bit more of the same story as Gunner, except he can do it from both sides of the plate, which, again, invaluable. Behind him, Ryan O'Hearn. DH spot, doesn't need to play the field, just go out there and mash. Number one guy for me when I'm on the field, I want to watch him in the batter's box during batting practice because... Pretty much every ball he hits goes out of the ballpark. He is so much Big bat, fun Ryan O'Hearn. to watch. Gotta love watching Ryan O'Hearn. In the sixth spot, I've got Cedric Mullins, another guy uh, who could be in the leadoff spot, but you put him down at six, you almost start the lineup over again with a team with this much capability. Then in the seventh spot, I believe I had Austin Hayes, a guy earlier this season who was leading the AL in the batting title race. I mean, his contact numbers at times are incredible. So Austin Hayes at the bottom of the lineup, I mean, that is an incredible luxury for a team to have. After him, I've got Ramon Urias. I like to get the defense defense in there, the gold glove at third base, and then my favorite player on the team, Adam Frazier, rounds out (laughs) at nine. I love that guy. Just a ball player. Ball player. Total ball player. Adam Frazier. I think this is probably a lineup that, has been constructed or at least will be constructed in the future here for Brandon Hyde. I think your lineup probably makes the most sense to against right-handed pitching, getting Adam Frazier in the lineup at second base. So on the bench for you here, you leave Jorge Mateo, who could come off the bench as a kind of spark plug defensive guy. And you also leave Jordan Westbrook on the bench. Yeah, that was tough. Leave Jordan Westbrook. I really wanted to include him. Uh, but at the end, I took the gold glove and Ramon Urias. Yeah, Jordan Westberg at this point hitting 266 on base percentage, just over 300. Really good player. 712 OPS. Adam Frazier's numbers right around there. The batting average is worse for Frazier. Slugging percentage right around the same. On base percentage right around the same. OPS of 710. So those two guys having very similar seasons thus far. I do think it's interesting, and it's been an interesting conversation for me to talk about Adley Rutschman in the leadoff spot. Because traditionally, I mean, unless it's JT Real Muto, who's one of the most athletic catchers in baseball, you don't really have a catcher batting leadoff. I mean, we know the speed is there for Adley Rutschman. He's a good athlete, but he's not going to steal a ton of bases. I mean, he has one stolen base on the year. So, Matt, where do you fall on kind of the traditional leadoff hitter like somebody like Jorge Mateo, Cedric Mullins, versus just putting the guy in the leadoff spot who gets on base the most? I think that the speedy guy who hits for contact kind of leadoff hitter is becoming a thing of the past. Uh, And I'm a guy who kind of considers himself a little bit of an old-school baseball person, so I usually go towards some of those things. But when you have a bat like Adley Rutschman, who's a switch hitter and can run a little bit, he's not slow, uh, and he can take pitches with the best of them, get on base, I think that it's just impossible to deny that he belongs at the top of the lineup. Uh, Sure, there are teams out there who can make it work 
with those old school classic top of the order guys. But I think all of baseball is kind of shifting towards get your best hitters at the front of the lineup so that later in the game, they're going to have more opportunities to hit in clutch situations, not only at the beginning of the game. So uh, I, I like Adley at the front. Yeah, and if you're following along with us live on YouTube or Facebook, you can see Matt's lineup in full here with leadoff Adley Rutschman, which bumps Cedric Mullins down to the sixth spot. And that is a really nice luxury to have, as we mentioned. Cedric Mullins, we know, is one of the better hitters on this team, even if the numbers through 79 games, struggling with injuries a little bit, has not helped him a ton. Still a bounce-back season offensively for Cedric Mullins from last year. Just been really solid all around. Ramona Rios at third, I think you kind of have to put there just because of the gold glove. It's hard not to put a gold glove third baseman at third base. That's the battle over Jordan. Yeah, and and I think that's completely fair. I'll go to my lineup here. I'm excited to see it. This is just me being a little bit more of a traditionalist, but I do have Cedric Mullins in the leadoff spot. I think we're going to see it at times this year, Cedric Mullins leading off. We know Adley Rutschman is a great option there because of his on-base percentage, but Cedric Mullins still has the third highest on-base percentage on this team at 330. Excellent hitter. I think the OPS numbers for Mullins are going to continue to rise, and he's second on the team in stolen bases with 15. If he had been healthy for the entire season, he might lead all of base, the team excuse me, in stolen bases at this point. So I still put Cedric Mullins up at the up at the leadoff spot. Maybe that's me just being more of an old-school kind of lineup construction guy. Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, I think, are the two best pure hitters on this team. That's why they go two and three, driving in Cedric Mullins. Ryan Mountcastle, as we mentioned, been on an absolute heater. I put him fourth, followed by Anthony Santander. I think those are two of the better pure power hitters on this team outside of Gunnar Henderson. And then I tried to vary the right and left a little bit. So I've got Santander, the switch hitter, batting fifth. Austin Hayes, right-handed hitter, batting sixth. Ryan O'Hearn, the lefty, batting seventh. And then I've got Jordan Westberg in at second base over Adam Frazier. Maybe with a right-handed pitcher on the mound, I would go with Frazier over Westberg. But Westberg just feels like kind of a spark plug at this point. It's hard for me to take Westberg out of the lineup, given what we've seen from him recently. The defense, if you look at outs above average, has been a little bit better than Adam Frazier this year, which is kind of weird because coming into the season, Adam Frazier, traditionally a very, very good fielder, was not as good defensively, at least in terms of the advanced metrics that we were expecting from Frazier. So I put Westberg in there and then, again, have to put Ramona Rios in the lineup somewhere at third base, won a gold glove last year. Best defensive run saved at that position in the American League a season ago. He's got to be in the lineup for me. Yeah, I, I don't hate that at all. Um, I actually, I think the thing I like about your lineup the most is O'Hearn in the seven spot. You get that yeah. pop down. Nice little 840 OPS in the seven yeah. spot. That's solid. Absolutely. Yeah. The five and six guys set the table and he knocks them in. I like that. Uh, I think that totally can work. And I agree with you that Westberg kind of acts like a spark plug at times, and he gets it done late in the game. So uh, I like Westberg. Again, he probably could have gone either way in my lineup, ended up going Frazier and Urias instead, but I think Westberg, Westberg's a really good pick as well. So the two guys that did not make our starting lineups here that have played a good chunk of games for the Orioles this season, Jorge Mateo has played in 98 games for the Orioles. The bat 
with the OPS just over 600, I don't think for me warranted, you know, a starting spot in this lineup. However, Jorge Mateo very much falls under the category of if he turns into somebody that you can either platoon against left-handed pitching or just put into the game as a defensive replacement or as a pinch runner, he is incredibly valuable in that role. Yeah, incredibly. I mean, his speed is uh, pretty much second to none in the majors. So, uh, you know, that's where, and obviously his glove is incredible as well, so that's where you have to consider him. Um, but up the middle, I don't know, there's something about Gunner I really love at shortstop yeah. uh, that I just couldn't deny, of course. Uh, but, you know, Westberg's bat, or excuse me, Urias, or more, excuse me, Mateo's bat. There we go. <laughs> is the thing that holds him behind a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I also thought about adding Aaron Hicks into this lineup, potentially. He was yeah. a guy, a switch hitter, of course, who has plenty of pop at the bat from both sides. He's a guy who I definitely considered because this is obviously a fully healthy lineup. Um, but ended up not going with. Did you think about him? Yeah, I did. And the other guy that I thought about, if we were going with a pure, you know, if we had made more lineups here and constructed some against left-handed pitching against right-handed pitching, I think James McCann makes my lineup McCann too. against left-handed pitching. And at this point, if we're just talking about a game in August, I know this is kind of a theoretical scenario, any given day sort of thing. But if we're talking about constructing a lineup in August, James McCann has to be in it. Yeah. I mean, 10 games in August for McCann. He's hitting 464 with a 515 on base percentage, 714 slugging, and an OPS over 1,200. He's got five extra base hits in 10 games. So if I'm making a lineup tomorrow, if I'm making a lineup for tonight, it's hard to not put James McCann in the lineup right now. Yeah, but his revenge series against the Mets. I mean, the guy yeah. was on another planet. He's also a very good defensive catcher. So uh, McCann, definitely somebody I considered as well, but... End of the day, when I was looking at that DH spot, I'm not going against Mr. O'Hearn. Yeah, it's hard to find spots to fit all of these guys, which was kind of the purpose of the exercise of trying to make the lineup here. Because when you're talking about a full-strength Orioles team, if we're assuming that Aaron Hicks is healthy, I mean, Aaron Hicks has been outstanding for the Orioles this year. OPS yeah. close to 800, switch hitter, plays a solid defensive center field you're not going to put him in center, center field over Cedric Mullins right now defensively. No, you're, you're not, not going to put him in left field over Austin Hayes defensively. Okay, so maybe you put him in right field over Anthony Santander because maybe you feel like it's an upgrade defensively there, which bumps Anthony Santander to DH. Great, you bump in Ryan O'Hearn's 840 OPS out of the lineup? Absolutely not. Y you can't, right? You're going to bump Anthony that. Santander to first base and take Ryan Mountcastle out of the lineup? No shot. No. So I think Aaron Hicks... Once we get down the line here, and hopefully everybody is healthy as the Orioles gear up for the playoffs, I think there are a lot of guys, I would put Mateo, Hicks, and probably Ryan O'Hearn in this category, James McCann as well, of guys who may not be in the lineup every single day, but that kind of increases their value, if that makes sense. Because if they fill a specific role... They are incredibly good at that role. Jorge Mateo, as I mentioned, fantastic defensive replacement. Was a gold glove snub last year at shortstop. Defense hasn't been as solid this season, but we know what he can do with that position. 
Yes, the OPS numbers, the batting average, not great for Mateo right now, but you put him in as a defensive replacement, as a pinch runner. He's probably one of the best, one of those guys in the league. Ryan O'Hearn, if you just used him as a platoon bat against right-handed pitchers, that is an outstanding left-handed bat off the bench. Same goes for James McCann on the opposite side. I mean, as of right now, as I mentioned, he can hit about against just about anybody, but that's a really good platoon bat against left-handed pitching. And then Aaron Hicks, again, really good defensive replacement, switch hitter. You can kind of plug and play him in the lineup anywhere you need to. But if the playoff lineup turns into one of the lineups that we had constructed, leaving Mateo, Hicks, and McCann on the bench, that's a really deep bench come playoff time. Yeah, and, and come playoff time, like you said, you're going to stack them up against everybody else's roster. I think the Orioles might have more depth than anybody else out there just because of the pro bats and the veteran bats that they have the capability of pulling off the bench. Guys who have been in the playoffs before as well. We didn't even talk about what that factors in. Yeah. Uh, but come playoff time, I think Brandon Hyde is going to be incredibly happy with what he can go to on the bench. Yeah, and that's not even considering guys like Ryan McKenna. Once the playoff rosters expand, um, well, not playoff rosters, once rosters expand on September 1st, could we see maybe another call-up of Colton Kowser, of Joey Ortiz? Two guys that would add just, again, even more depth to this Orioles lineup. You're talking about two top 55 prospects in the game that can't even find a solid everyday role in the majors because the major league team is just that deep and just that good. And, you know, we've said it once, we'll say it many times, Joey Ortiz especially and probably Colton Kowser too could start on many other MLB teams. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that'll just about do it for this week's edition of the Bird's Nest. Of course, make sure that you are tuning in every week, wherever you can find your digital shows, your podcasts, you can find us. Apple Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever you find it, you can find myself and Matt Bonaparte. We will be back in a week. Not sure what we're going to talk about yet. I'm sure it'll be something fun, and I'm sure it'll be a lot of good Orioles baseball to discuss. If you tuned in live on YouTube or Facebook, thanks so much for tuning in. If you're tuning in after the fact, tune in live next time. Come hang out with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.